The only thing that I dream of is for you to be dreaming of me. And the only thing that I long for is for you to long obsessively. Doesn't everybody want to be outdoors in times? That's all we're looking for, even though I know there's so much more to love. You're listening to The One, and I'm Robin Wilson. The One is a podcast that showcases everyday people and the love stories that make them unique. My guests on The One today are Jeff and Amy, who show us that for some, love can sneak up bit by disarming bit, and for others, it descends all at once on a walk home past an angry dog. So before we get started, I'd just like to thank Jacek Chocolate Couture for providing us with a box of chocolates today to get us in the mood to talk about love. And we'll start the same way I start my other podcast. Amy, why don't we start with you? Tell me three things that you love about Jeff. I love his sense of humor, although I don't like to admit that around him very often. Um, (laughs) I love his kind heart. He's a very kind person, does everything and anything for me and for our family. And I love, I love the way he lights up when I, when he comes home from work or when I walk into the room, just the way he looks at me. Those are three great things. <laughs> Jeff, you have a tough act to follow. <laughs> I know I'm going to say all the same things. <laughs> <laughs> about me, not you. You love me. Oh, this is about, this one's about you. Okay. Uh, I like her sense of humor also. It's an unexpected sense of humor and catches people off guard. I love that. She's kinder than me. And reminds me that I'm not being kind, but doesn't tell other people. And she's super hot. <laughs> That's true. That's great. Those are also three great things. So how did you guys meet? I was going to Concordia. We're both from Winnipeg, but I moved here to go to Concordia. And I knew her family, her older sister and older brother. And we met when she was still in high school and came to visit. We rode the roller coaster at West Ed together. I was hanging out with a bunch of them and... Yeah, she probably doesn't remember anything about me from <laughs> from that day. <laughs> and Amy, do you remember that? Uh, I remember, yeah, I remember coming and I remember him being there. So there was no like interest or anything at that point, <laughs> but he was cool to hang out with. Yeah, it was fun. And so how did the interest blossom? Uh, well, the next year, Amy moved to Edmonton and went to Concordia also. And I was still there because I <laughs> couldn't finish my degree in time. And we both sang in the choir at Concordia together. And I hit on all the first-year altos nice. as a tradition. <laughs> yeah, I guess it works. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so, Amy, what first attracted you to Jeff? Ooh. Probably nothing. <laughs> I don't know what it was. I <laughs> We just hung out and we became friends over that first year. And so I don't... I think he was interested in me before I was in him because he was, I was young and (laughs) innocent and naive. And (laughs) I mean, it was, he was friends with my brother and sister who were older. So I didn't really see him in a romantic way at first. It kind of took a little while for that to kind of, for me to come around that way. But he was just, we had fun hanging out. We were friends. I think that's what it was that we were friends first. And so it kind of grew from there. And so how long did it take before you, before you went on your first date? Well, I don't know. We mostly hung out with uh, like groups of people. Mm-hmm. So like it wasn't like a traditional going on a date kind of thing. I remember we used to walk home together because we both lived 
in crappy apartments near the stadium station. And so we'd walk from Concordia down a couple of back alleys or whatever. We'd, we'd go the same way. And sometimes I'd wait for her because she was cute. But uh, there's this one alley where this huge white dog, he was dirty and he would stand on the fence and he was probably over six feet tall when wow. he was standing up on the fence and he would bark so loud. And I would always, I'd be daydreaming walk and he'd come and run up and bark and I'd, I'd scare the crap out of me. So I would walk way on the other side and there's a rickety fence. So I thought he's going to get over it. He's going to attack me. He's going to like, he's huge and scary. So I'm walking with her one day and, and we're a few houses from the dog and I've, I naturally go to the far side of the alley and we're walking and she walks right up to the fence and the dog comes up and he's wagging his tail and she starts petting him. <laughs> like, he's been playing me this whole time. And I thought, man, she's awesome. Cause I would have never seen it in the dog and she saw, yeah, that was a moment for me. And then I started walking with her more. <laughs> yeah. I can get rid of you. After that. <laughs> You're Sierra because protector. Totally. Totally. <laughs> okay, so if the first date just sort of was an ongoing sort of thing with friends, when did the first kiss happen? You're, you, no, you tell. <laughs> this is your story. No, you tell. You're sneaky about it. It was like spring of that year, right? The end of my first year at university. Uh, April sixth. Oh, wow. Just guessing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and for my English class, I needed to. I needed a copy of The Great Gatsby, right? Yep. You probably remember details more yep. than I do, and. He just so happened to have a copy of The Great Gatsby. I don't know if you even had it or you just... I think I went to the Wee Book Inn and bought it. <laughs> yeah. So you could bring it over to my apartment. Yeah. And go, you tell him. Yeah. I brought it over and invited myself in. Started rubbing your shoulders. <laughs> you know, good stuff. Yeah. I think I just started kissing you. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. And I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> so was it welcome or did it weird you out? It, both. Like it, I was weirded out. Well, I don't know if I was weirded out. I just wasn't expecting it, I think. And I think I was still kind of unsure because, like I said, he was friends with my siblings. And so I just saw him as an older friend. I don't know. And so I, w I was, it took me by surprise a bit. But it was also welcome. I didn't push him away. <laughs> I was totally icked out by it. Nope. <laughs> it obviously did the trick. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. yeah, I'm a good kisser. <laughs> Well, that was going to be my, no, I was not going to ask that. <laughs> so at that point, you're new in your relationship. You guys are kissing. Things are good. Amy, did you have any perceptions on what a relationship would be? And did Jeff meet those or did it change sort of what you expected out of a relationship? I think, hmm, I think it was complicated for us because after that first year of university, I didn't know what I was doing and I didn't know what I wanted to study anymore. And so I ended up moving back to Winnipeg to my parents' place. And so we did a... a Within long, a month. Yeah. Of, da of our first... Yeah. Of dating and stuff. Yeah. And wow. so we had, did a long distance relationship for that year. Well, you moved to Winnipeg and then I went to Drumheller to work for a while. And then I came back to Edmonton, finished university and then moved to the West Coast. Yeah. It was distant for a while. Yeah. So I don't know if it was... I don't know if it lived, like fulfilled what I imagined a relationship. I never imagined having a long distance relationship, but we, we talked all the time and we traveled a lot that year back and forth. And yeah, I would fly standby all the time and then give up my seat so I could fly again. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. So it was exciting and it was romantic and stuff. Cause we'd always be looking forward to the next visit and that yeah. kind of thing. So that was awesome. 
but it also sucked because yeah. we didn't know when the next time we'd see each other would be. So I forgot about that. <laughs> Getting old. <laughs> and so where are you now in your relationship? We're like pretty much a role model for everybody else. <laughs> well, that's why I wanted Jeez. to have you on the podcast, <laughs> obviously. So you're married? We are married. Yep. Yeah. How long? 16 years. And a half. Oh. Yep. You have kids? Two kids. Yep. 12 and nine year old. And you're happy? Yep. Mostly. <laughs> happy enough. Yeah, we are. <laughs> Jeff, tell me how you proposed to Amy. Oh, she was working in Kingsway Garden Mall selling lingerie. Remember? Yeah. I, I came to, we were sharing a car, so I came to pick her up and I took her to the ledge grounds. And I don't think I told her what we were doing. Did I say anything? I can't remember. Not really. No. Because awkwardly mysterious was my goal. <laughs> and uh, I had brought uh, a blanket and some wine glasses and some sparkling juice, probably, because I didn't, I didn't want to break any laws. <laughs> and a ghetto blaster. Yeah. Classic. Hello, 1998. <laughs> um, with some hammered dulcimer music to set the scene. I don't think I brought any snacks. That would have been good. Yeah, that would have been. I didn't have yeah. supper that night, I don't think. Yeah. <laughs> and we were chatting, and I said, what would you say if I asked you to marry me? Which is a stupid way to ask. <laughs> <laughs> what did you say? <laughs> said, duh. duh. <laughs> and so that was it. I don't think she ever said she would marry me. <laughs> you never really asked I never me really did. <laughs> oh, we, were, we were pretty broke. It's all I could come up with. <laughs> Yes, yeah, it's good. And so, what about the wedding day? Walk me through that. We had we got married at Grace Lutheran Church down just downtown, close by here. May twenty second, twenty second, ninety nine. The wedding of the millennium. <laughs> we had um, Tom Cole Lamb, who played Hammer Dulcimer at the street performers all the time. He was on the he was the music I was playing, so we had hired him to play at the wedding, and he was playing, and we had a big wedding party. Yeah, I think five. Do we have five bridesmaids and five groomsmen? I think so. Wow, that is big. We couldn't choose. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we got married here. We were both from Winnipeg and had family out of town, but this was home. Edmonton was home now. We were, our yeah. friends were all here. and Our reception was at the... What's the building? The Armory. The Armory. It's Wales Armory. Yeah. yeah. Traditional. Very. Yeah. 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 I made a mixtape for all the dinner music. Nice. <laughs> So long on I spent that way too long on that mixtape. <laughs> Man, it was good. So give me some examples. What did you have on there? <laughs> I don't remember. Do you oh know? man, I had it was full of inside jokes and good, it was good music though, like like classical music interspersed with TV theme, or TV show theme songs. Nice. I was a uh, my degree was in music at Concordia and. Uh, Lots of it, our friends were people from the choir and stuff like that, so we put in songs that we liked or that people mostly would, you liked. Yeah, it was, it was, <laughs> was my, your it was my tape, mixtape, tape, whatever. <laughs> and what was your first dance? What was the song that you danced to? I'm talking too much. Oh yeah, go. What was the first one? Just wait. Yeah. When I'm 64, Beatles. Okay. Yeah, we're not even halfway there yet. We were. <laughs> dancing to it and it seemed like it would never end though. So long like, song. Who picks this song? This is so long. Everyone's staring at us. We can't dance. <laughs> we can't we can't dance. Oh. 
That was funny. <laughs> that's good. That's a nice non-traditional pick. Yeah. Yeah, that was a good one. <laughs> so would you guys say that you're romantics? Because that doesn't strike me as a romantic kind of first dance song. No. I am not romantic. You're not romantic. No. I'm mostly okay with that. Sometimes I wish we were a little more romantic, but... <laughs> yeah, I could be a little more. You guys have been married 16 years. Mm-hmm. What would you say is the key to your success as a couple? Commitment. Oh, Yeah, I agree. How so? I think we, for me, I just know that we made that commitment to each other when we got married and it, there's no other option. So when we've gone through rough times um, or challenging times, we just get through it together because that's what we promised to do. And I think also just being friends first and that friendship continuing as we've been married and growing, our friendship growing, I just know that he's there for me and I'm there for him and I I don't know that there's just no option like we just I wouldn't think of getting out of it or you know what I mean like we're just there for each other 100% so yep <laughs> well that actually leads me into my next question so with no option you have to deal with things that sometimes drive you crazy so Amy what's one thing about Jeff that just drives you up the wall mm. just one thing <laughs> You're not allowed to talk about snoring. <laughs> oh, that was going to be my first thing. Oh, jeez. You could probably tell me something that I tell you drives me crazy. <laughs> I'm a mess. Yes, there. that's good. <laughs> yes, he collects things and is quite disorganized with... Well, I don't know if you're disorganized, but he collects things and so they're everywhere in the house and that drives me crazy because I find that really stressful and, and not a calming thing. <laughs> Yeah, that's probably it. That's fair. Amy would like a house with bare walls, clean, and just only things out are things you're working on. And I would like a house that's like an old English pub with everything (laughs) stuck on the wall, floor to ceiling, all the memorabilia for everyone to look at. We're different. (laughs) But you make it work? Yeah, I just have piles of stuff everywhere. None of it's on the wall. (laughs) Just look the other way. It's, It's not working. But we're young. (laughs) On the other side of the coin, Jeff, what's the best compliment Amy ever gave to you? Oh, she said you're funny and you sing good or something (laughs) like that. Or maybe you sing funny. I can't remember. (laughs) (laughs) When she laughs at my jokes, that's the best because I tell lots and she doesn't laugh at very many of them. True. (laughs) It's true. That's a great answer. Mm -hmm. I try really hard. I roll my eyes a lot. (laughs) Yes, you do. All right, Amy. Some people may know this listening to the podcast. You've been working to build a business Mm -hmm. in the city, sugared and spiced. uh, And you've been working hard to get your baking into the hands and bellies of many Edmontonians. (laughs) How has Jeff supported you in building that business? Oh, he's been, it's like with everything. I've thought about this often. And I feel really blessed and lucky that I have him because he has supported me in many things that I've done in my life. Without question, really, he just, he's emotional support for one. He's my biggest cheerleader, really. He encourages me. So he knows that this is something that I've been dreaming about and wanting to do. So he encouraged me to go back to school at Nate, first of all, to start there. 
And that meant taking on extra roles at home with our kids and um, just household responsibilities and duties and stuff as I was in school and he was working full time. What else is, he's taken on roles with the business as far as doing paperwork and the invoicing and that kind of thing too. So he's become part of the business as well. Just, and without me really even asking or really having that discussion, it was just something he did. So plus he's been taste tester and <laughs> it's a tough job. Thing. Yes. Sacrifice. <laughs> um, just super supportive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now in 2013, Amy, you went to Boston. Yeah. To fulfill your dream of running in the Boston Marathon. Yeah. And Jeff came with you to cheer you on. Mm-hmm. Where were you when the bombs went off? I was like, was it 800 meters from finishing? So less than a kilometer. Yeah. It was a rough, rough race for me. I had a stress fracture in my shin, and so I, I ran on that. And so I was just having a crummy, really bad race, the worst time ever, and was in a ton of pain and stuff. And yeah, 800 meters. I hit a wall of people and coming out my last hill and was just stopped dead in my tracks and didn't know what was going on. This girl randomly ran past me. I don't know to this day if she was a spectator or someone in the race and ran past and said, just so you know, there were bombs at the finish line. And then she kept running. I didn't know. I mean, I was in a ton of pain and it was just, everything was just surreal and I didn't know what was going on. And so People were still trying to finish because they're so close. So trying to weave through people, but just got to a point where I couldn't go any further. There were just too many people. And then um, chaos just started to break out and people standing on garbage cans and mailboxes and stuff and yelling and screaming for people. And then I kind of realized sort of what was going on and didn't know where Jeff was at that point. And... um, that was the most terrifying. I, I, cause I knew he was going to be at the finish line somewhere waiting for me. And so I didn't know if he was there when it happened or what. And so that seemed like the longest, I don't even know how long it was. It probably wasn't that long, 10 minutes or something from when I got stopped to when he found me. I just, I didn't know what to do. I, I didn't know where I was. I didn't know what to do. So I just stayed where I was. And then he, I saw him weaving through the runners in the crowd and he found me and that was the best hug I've ever had in my life. And so where were you, Jeff? You were waiting at the finish line? Uh, I was a couple blocks from the finish line. I decided not to stay there because it looked like I'd have to stand in the same spot and not be able to move to to get a good view, so I went a little farther. And it was about 45 minutes from when you stopped till I found you. Wow. And that must have been a very long 45 minutes. Yeah, it seemed like well, phones wouldn't work, and so I knew I couldn't call her. I think you had your phone. I with did. You. I tried, and because there was there was tens of thousands of people trying to use their phones within a few city blocks. Yeah, and I know she wouldn't be able to find where we were staying from there because I didn't. Amy's not great with direction, <laughs> <laughs> and so I either tell her exactly where to go or I go with her, <laughs> and so we didn't bother because the plan was for her to meet me, and so I knew she was completely lost and had no idea where she was in Boston even, right? And so I thought, I have to find her. So I just went from where they stopped the race and tried to see everybody. And just kept going until I found her. And so what was going through your head at that moment? Just, I have to find her? Yeah. You knew she yeah. wasn't affected? Yeah, she hadn't passed point. yet. And you get texts saying when people pass certain points. So right. she, had, she had passed the, about the three-quarter or 30-kilometer point. 
And it was, I could tell her pace and I knew she wasn't there yet, but I knew she was within, within a couple blocks of where I was because she should have been passing any minute. Yeah. But there's a lot of people running that race. Did you know that? I do, yeah. <laughs> uh, I can't even imagine the terror. Yeah, that's scary. Being apart and knowing that the other one is out there somewhere and not knowing where they are. Yeah. And so once you found each other, Amy said it was the best hug. Mm-hmm. Do you remember what he said to you? What words sort of passed between you? Oh, jeez, I don't even remember. I just remember that embrace and just like... I, I don't know, he might have just said like let's get out of here. We got to go or something. And we just, he just, it's all a blur to me. I think I went into shock and stuff too. And just, you get cold as soon as you stop running and my muscles were seizing up because I didn't stop dead and you don't have a chance to stretch or anything. Mm-hmm. And I just remember like, he just took me and we got, got the hell out of there <laughs> and just, he took me to our apartment, apartment where we were staying and Yeah. And was there ever any question about going back the next year to finish? Not in his mind. In my mind, yes. I was. Uh, I had a really tough time that next year. I think just I couldn't talk about it. I couldn't think about it without huge amounts of anxiety and just like I think a bit of PTSD. I was just traumatized by it, and um, I I didn't want to go back. I was terrified. Um, I don't, not that I thought it would happen again, but it's just all the emotions that came up with it. And I, that was my second time going down to Boston to do it. The first time a few years earlier, I had to pull out because of health concerns. And so this was my second time going down and not finishing it. And so I just was emotionally spent and done and just like, I don't know if I have enough in me, enough fight in me to train for this again and do it again and go back. But he, Jeff... I don't say he made me, but he encouraged me to, the time came up. I didn't have to requalify. They let everybody who came within a certain. Who finished half of the race. But right. But when it happened, um, we didn't have to requalify. You could just register again. And so he's, he just encouraged me to register. He said, just do it. Just put your name in. You can decide later, but at least then you've got your spot. And so I, I did. And I just felt sick about it the whole year um, leading up to it. And ended up going, training for it and going. And even to the moment I stepped across the start line, I was just a nervous... I'm still shaking right now talking about it. But just like I just... I had so much anxiety about it. But it was... I'm so glad that he encouraged me to do it because that was the most... It wasn't my fastest time by any means when I did it. But it was the best race I've ever run. I ran with a smile on my face. My, my face hurt more than anything at the end of it because the crowd was incredible that year. The support and encouragement from the, I think they said there was a million people watching and the other people running. And I knew I wasn't alone in that fear and anxiety and other people had been there the year before too. So, and I finished and it was just like this huge weight off my shoulders, just like I could breathe again. And it was just like closure finally. And mm-hmm. I just, um, yeah, so glad I went back and did it and that he encouraged me and that he was there again to cheer me on and support me. So, and so Jeff, how did you get her through? Like there was every moment that you thought she doesn't want to do it. I'm just going to let her stay home. Not worry about it. No, she wanted to do it. She didn't know it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
Yeah, you never, you weren't pushy ever about it. You just, you let me kind of work through it, I think, and do my thing and struggle with that. Because I think, I think you knew, mm-hmm. you knew that I wanted to, and then I, I think that I needed to do that, but. Amy has never quit anything. So I knew she'd be upset with herself if she didn't go back. And switching gears <laughs> now. I want you to tell me something silly that Amy does that never fails to make you laugh. No. Oh, man. I'm not sure. It's the eye-rolling thing. <laughs> I think it drives her nuts that I laugh at it. That's what, I, that's what comes to mind. <laughs> what was the phrase you said a few weeks ago? I don't know. Oh, I said something dumb, and then it's quiet. And she says, oh, I almost eye-rolled myself to death. <laughs> <laughs> that's just I what always... comes to mind. <laughs> I can hear it. I can hear you rolling your eyes. Oh, yeah. Amy, is there something Jeff does that makes me laugh? Yeah, you know, not <laughs> eye rolling, but actual laughing. He'll like spontaneously start dancing or something. Like if we're just a song comes on and he's like, "We'll all just be serious," and then he like breaks out into dance. That's pretty funny to watch. <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> writing the story of your relationship give me some of the chapter names Ooh. enough already it's <laughs> a good chapter <laughs> That's terrible. your turn i just i'm just coming up with stuff <laughs> just putting random words yeah, together just just coming up with ideas <laughs> just spitballing there would be hundreds of chapters Aren't there yeah it would be some big chapters with small ones in them it'd be complicated <laughs> oh, wow yeah be an enigma wrapped in a mystery <laughs> and bacon. I don't know what the chapter names would be. I feel like it'd be a lot about endurance and like sticking it out. And I don't mean stick. That sounds really negative when I say sticking it out, but just like we made it through another struggle, like, and we did it together and we're stronger because of that. And even though it sucked in the moment, I think it's just strengthened our relationship mm-hmm. and brought us closer together. And I don't think sticking it out is a negative thing. I think relationships are work. Mm-hmm. And people who are in a good, strong relationships mm-hmm. understand that mm-hmm. and know that there's work that has to be done. And sometimes yeah. it's not going to be pleasant. Yeah. We've made a lot of good choices and none of them resulted in lots of money. Damn it. So that's where lots of the struggles come from. <laughs> <laughs> Different stages of being broke. So Amy, what was it about Jeff? That made it clear to you that he was the one. I knew this question was going to (laughs) come. And I don't know that there was one thing. Like, it wasn't just, like, one moment where I was like, yeah, he's the one. Or I think it was just a whole bunch of things that kind of led up to that, to me knowing. It didn't take that long. Like, I think I knew pretty quick that he was the one. It's just, I think it's just everything about him. He's just... And it's those qualities I said in the beginning, like just caring. And I know that I know how much he loves me and he's there for me. And so I guess it's just all those things wrapped in one perfect package. (laughs) Jeff, same question. Oh, it's probably the time with the dog. (laughs) I felt quick. (laughs) But yeah, it was early for me, early in the relationship. I was committed. Was that before we were even... 
probably shortly before we we started so. dating, I was like, she is, she's the one for me. <laughs> you were seriously cute. <laughs> like, seriously. And on that note, <laughs> that's all my questions for you guys. Thanks so much for sharing your love story with me. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of The One. If you haven't already, make sure to subscribe in iTunes because there are many more love stories to be told. If you'd like to share your story with me, please email me at lovestorypodcast at gmail.com. I'd like to thank Jason Chocolate Couture for spreading joy in the form of chocolates generously provided for my guests today. The music for the one is I Love You Oddly by Rebecca Angel. You can hear more from Rebecca on iTunes or at ReverbNation.com backslash Rebecca Angel. Until next time, here's a quote from Loretta Young. Love isn't something you find. Love is something that finds you.